We'll begin our time together as we sing together the hymn 512. 512, give me the faith which can remove and sink the mountain to a plain. Give me the childlike praying love which longs to build thy house again.
Let's bow together and seek the Lord in prayer. Lord, we're glad we're in the house of God tonight and in the place where we can gather with those of like precious faith. We thank thee for redemption through the blood of the Savior and the forgiveness of sins that we enjoy. We thank you, Lord, for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and for all that he accomplished for us when he came to this earth and he lived for us and died for us took our place in every way as our substitute. It is through his precious name and upon redemption ground that we would come and seek the Lord tonight and to pray for his blessing upon this final time together on a Thursday night as far as this year is concerned. We pray for a conscious sense of the presence of God. Lord, draw graciously near. May that be the chief experience of God's people in this room tonight that the Lord is here and we're conscious about that and help us to draw near to him in prayer you've promised in your word that as we draw nigh to God he will draw nigh to us we want the Lord to be very much part of everything that happens tonight we want to sense and know that he's with us to bless us with his quickening power we do seek the help of the Holy Spirit tonight in all parts of the meeting, that the Spirit of God will take control of our minds, of our hearts, of all that we are. And Lord, make this a great night. We're here in your presence. We're here to worship God. We're here to rejoice afresh in Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of men. And so we pray that we'll come to the Lord with a full heart and we'll draw near to thee now through the Lord Jesus Christ, with that full assurance that we are heard in heaven for the sake of the Son. Bless this people. Lord, you know all about us. You know our circumstances. You know the circumstances that we've left even this very day, all that we've come through. We pray for those that are lonely. We pray for those that are suffering. We remember those that are sick and weak and tired, even weary with the journey. We pray for those that are passing through trial and difficulty. We rejoice tonight in the words of the hymn writer that Jesus knows all about our sorrows. And he will guide until the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus, no, not one. And we bless thee that the Lord is not only our redeemer, but he is our friend. And we can call him such. And Lord, we pray that you will Bless those that are sick and let us sit at home tonight, very conscious that there are those who cannot be here, they would love to be here, but it's not possible because of ill health. Be their portion just where they are. Remember our friends from Romania too as they fellowship with us tonight and as they travel home with Florentina on Saturday. Lord, be with them in the journey and may they know the peace of God that passes all understanding. Here, these are prayers. We ask all things through Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Number 90. Oh, how sweet the glorious message. Simple faith may claim. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same.
Very warm word of welcome to each and every one tonight as you've come to the prayer meeting and Bible study. And those that are joining us on the internet, of course, are welcome to you also. We think of those that are not here, and some are not here because they've got flus and colds and things like that. Uh, we trust the Lord will bless them just where they are. We have visitors from Romania. Uh, Pastor Emmanuel was with us two weeks ago on the Thursday night. He's back again, and he's back with his wife, Cami, and his two boys, David and Philip, or Philippe, and it's good to have them. They will travel back. They, they came last evening, and they traveled back on Saturday with Florentina, so this is the last couple of nights when Florentina will be with us, and uh, we wish her well and the family that she will travel with. Do remember the Lord's Day. The prayer meeting is at 8 o'clock. There's no Sunday school or Bible class because of the holidays. But the worship service, 12 noon, and we're going to come back to that final message that we started last Sunday, uh, the family of Jesus, and we've looked at Joseph and Mary, and we've come to the Savior himself. <coughs> Our meeting is at 12 o'clock. Then the New Year's Eve service is at a different time, so it's two hours ahead, nine o'clock. Don't come at seven. Uh, the church will be closed. Nine o'clock for the New Year's Eve service. Refreshments will be served at 10, and then the watch night service starting at 11, and that will see us going into the new year in the will of the Lord. So plan to be with us. It's a holiday time, and uh, I know children need to go to bed, but if it's possible to keep them up and bring them with you and spend time with God's people in God's house, seeing the old year out and the new year in uh, together. Refreshments will be served at 10 o'clock, and ladies, uh, we're asking you to bring what you normally do on a Sunday night, the scones, pancakes, and buns. I want to mention this again on behalf of Julie. Uh, Sunbeams greatly in need of help uh, for the new term. If any of our members are available, see Julie McLenahan about that. I'm going to sing again, 364. One of my favorite hymns, Peace Like a River is Flooding My Soul. <coughs> Let's stand to sing. Peace like a river.
One important announcement to make, and that's concerning the New Year Big Breakfast, and I'm making this on behalf of our Christian school. They did this at the beginning of the year, last year, and it's on Saturday the 13th of January, and the time's from 8 o'clock, 8.30 in the morning, until 12 p.m. So you can come and get the big breakfast anytime during that period, and it'll be right here in this room in the Carson Complex, and all the proceeds will go to Balamani Independent Christian School. These cards are available. They're at the door as you leave in the porch of the church. If you want to give them out by way of invitation to others, please take a supply and invite others to come. It's always a very, a very good meal to have and a good time of fellowship as you come and uh, meet with friends. Now, we're doing something a little bit different uh, tonight. And we thought about this a couple of days ago. Uh, asking our elders to share a verse of scripture tonight. And what we have asked them to do is, is to share a verse and to take no more than four minutes to do that. Each person is allocated four minutes, okay? So we have someone with a timer, and you have a green light that hold up the green light. And when you come to the end of the four minutes, there's a red light that goes up. No, we don't really have that. But you've got to have that psychologically in your mind as uh, when you think of all the elders taking part in four minutes, getting up and down, that's going to take the time that we would normally spend in uh, preaching the word. We're going to do this in alphabetical order, order, according to the Christian name of the person. I want to apologize on behalf of Wesley, because Wesley's not able to make it. He's not well, so he can't be here tonight. So I'll go first, being one of the elders of the church. That'll be followed by John, Jonathan, Mervyn, Phil, and we're going to include Samuel, who has been elected by you as an elder to serve in this church, so he'll bring a wee verse as well. And then at the end, uh, and I said earlier over in the home, because he's different, uh, different in that he's from Romania, we're going to ask the pastor uh, to share a verse with us as well right at the end. And he's going to do that in English, of course, so that we have understanding. I told him if you give me the translation, he could speak in Romanian, I could... I could read it and then you'll think I, I've learned Romanian, but that's not the case. So I, I want to share a verse with you. The verse that I was going to share a couple of days ago is not the one I'm sharing tonight. I was going to share my motto text because I couldn't get it out of my mind. But I was reading this morning in Daily Light and there was a verse that just really blessed me. And it's the Psalm 32 and verse 1. What a verse it is if you want to. Just open your Bible at that and see what the scripture says. <clears throat> so, four minutes starting from now. Psalm 32, verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. I think most of you know that in the Old Testament, the word blessed is the word happy. In fact, it's in the plural tense, so it's happinesses. We don't speak like that in English, but it is a multiplicity of blessing and joy and happiness if you experience what this text is talking about. Now, what is true happiness? If I was to ask each one tonight in this meeting, what is true happiness? There might be a variety of answers. You might think of the things that bring joy to you. Some might say happiness is family, and we've had wonderful times with our family over Christmas time. Others might say it's friendship and we have good friends so we love on the Lord as God's people. 
Some might say it's, it's the things that we enjoy every day. Maybe it's your workplace, young people. It might be your place of education. Um, somebody else might say, and I, I put it to our friends this morning because we, we thought of this verse uh, early this morning. And Cammy said, chocolate makes her happy. Chocolate might just make you happy also. But we know when it comes to the scripture that true happiness is found in the Lord alone. And those things that are spiritual and eternal. And you can study the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are, blessed, write down, and that's the same word, happy are. And those that live by those standards that the Lord Jesus Christ gave on the Mount of Transfigure, on the Mount of Beatitudes, if you live that way, you are going to know joy. But you also have Beatitudes in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Psalms. And when you read this word blessed, well then you're going to read about one of the Old Testament Beatitudes. And here's one in this verse of scripture, Psalm 32 and verse 1. A very powerful one. Indeed it is the source of unspeakable joy. And what is it? It's the knowledge of sins forgiven. Not a greater blessing, sure there's not. Not a greater enjoyment now, knowing that our sin is forgiven, that our sin is covered, the Bible reminds us that our sin is removed from us, removed as far as the east is from the west. We are reminded in the Bible that, that our sin has been cast into the depths of the sea. We're told that God puts our sins behind his back, and it's just to help us understand, he puts them in a place when we are forgiven, when our sins have been cleansed, where he doesn't see our sins any longer. And you want to think about our sins, sins of a lifetime that we have committed from infancy right up until this present time, sins that still with their memory grieve us, and sin ought to grieve the true believer when we fail the Lord, when we break his commandments, when we sin against him. It brings immense grief. They're forgiven completely forgiven, forever removed from us. And praise God, they are forgotten by the Lord. Your sins and your iniquities, well, I remember no more. One of my favorite verses as far as hymnology is concerned is that beautiful verse. It's the center verse. It's a 351. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. And to receive this blessing, to know this joy, this happiness, this multiplicity of joy and happiness, we need to confess our sin and thus stand before God forgiven. And when we do, when we bring our sin to the blood of Christ for cleansing, then we will know the unspeakable joy of which this text reminds us of. I was just looking at that hymn before coming over to the meeting tonight, Oh, to see the dawn of the darkest day. Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men, torn and beaten then, nailed to the cross of wood. This, the power of the cross, Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath. We stand forgiven at the cross. That's my text for you tonight. 
I want you to know as we come to the end of this year and we come to the final prayer meeting and Bible study that there is this wonderful joy that all of us who know Christ as our Savior experience. The psalmist says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. You and I are the blessed of God. Amen. Are you timing me? Well, <gasps> very slightly over. Okay. Nobody else will go over, so that's fine. In that order, if you remember, brethren, okay, John, Jonathan, and then the rest. You see, Mr. Kirk speaks twice as speed as me, so. Uh, I'm, I'm on a psalm as well, Psalm 92. If you want to turn to it. It's actually the first verse. Uh, is the main verse. That's as a psalm. It says that they had a, a psalm here as a, it's an exhortation to praise God and to thank God. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High. You know, in verse 1 it says, it's a good thing. And whenever the scripture tells us that's a good thing, it's something we need to give attention to. And giving thanks as a thing we ought to do and the Lord will bless us for it and Psalm <coughs> Psalm uh, 34 there as well it says I will bless the Lord at all times as praise shall be continued in my mouth you know that sometimes that's a difficult thing uh, praising and blessing the Lord at all times there's difficult times it's easy praising the Lord whenever everything's going well whenever we're in the mountain top but sometimes whenever in the valley I know Whenever I wasn't well earlier on, this is a rebuke to me. I never read this psalm. I read this psalm uh, for four different times, four different days. I never got any further than this psalm. And I just, there's that much in it. And the Lord spoke to me through it. That even whenever things are not good with us, we ought to still praise the Lord and thank the Lord for all his, his mercies to us. And uh, even over in Thessalonians as well, it, it tells us there to... And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. It's God's will that we give thanks, and everything. And that's what we ought to do. And in verse 2 it says, To show forth thy loving kindness in the morning, and your faithfulness every night. Whenever we get up in the morning, the very first thing we should do, we should thank the Lord for his mercy and his loving kindness. That's his goodness to you. That's temporal blessings, uh, physical blessings, spiritual blessings in heaven. We never should, let, even in the very morning time, and in the evening we thank the Lord, it says, for his faithfulness. That's every night, every day. You know, it doesn't just say every day or every night. So that could be a couple of times through the week. But it says every, every day and every night we ought to come before the Lord with a thankful heart. And you know, that, that hymn I just looked at through before I come out the night. For all the Lord has done for me, I never will cease to praise him. And for his grace, so rich and free, I never will praise cease to praise him that's him uh, 368 in our, in, our, in our book and just, just down, down through that him it just speaks about all the different things that we can praise the Lord for and there's so many things now, whenever we count our blessings and count them one by one it surprises what the Lord has done and in verse 5 there it says O Lord how great are thy works I never thought on that I thought on the, the great works of the Lord I thought of creation and and how God created this world and how he sustained it and 
And to this very day, you know, God is still on the throne. And he's, he's over all things. He's sovereign. And everyone never sees so many things happening in the world today. You know, when you look to the Lord, he's still in control of everything. And no matter what's happening uh, in the world, those bad things that's happening, God is still on the throne. And he will remember his own. And I thought also, uh, of even in a greater work, the work of redemption. You know, whenever God created the world, uh, in the very first uh, chapter of Genesis, now God said, and it was done, God said and it was done. But you know, for the work of redemption, God had to give his only begotten son. And that was an even greater work. And we ought to praise the Lord for that. You know, if we can't praise the Lord for that, uh, what else can we praise the Lord for? We need to come every day and thank the Lord for the great work of redemption and for saving our souls. You know, we'll never be in hell and we have so much to praise him for. And, and finally, just I thought of that story there and look, the, the lepers. You know, there's ten lepers. And there was, there was only one come back out of the ten to praise the Lord. And that was a sad thing. You know, the Lord uh, <coughs> doesn't need our praise. As we read in that first verse, the Lord is most high. You know, we can add in uh, to God. But God uh, desires our praise. He desires uh, our thanks. And only one of those uh, lepers came back to thank Jesus. And uh, Jesus asked that, that man that came back, he says, but where? Where are the other nine? Now, you know, they, were, they didn't come back. You know, that's a terrible, a terrible, a terrible thing, an indictment on them. And we never want to be like that. We want to be a thankful people that comes every day. Every day, it says here, before the Lord, thanking him for all his mercies. And just as we get into 2024, I know this has been a word to my heart. As we get into 2024, let's be a thankful people to thank the Lord for all he's done for us and all his mercies. And I believe the Lord will, will, will help us and bless us for it. We just would like to turn to Isaiah chapter 49 and six, verse 16. Uh, Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 16. And John's wee word brings is very fitting because so many times we do forget to thank the Lord. And this verse came to me because lately I've been thinking on trials that I've been through even over the last two or three years. And I was just thanking the Lord the other morning for bringing me through a particular trial in my life. Um, and as I started to think about that, I thought about how he had brought me through. I thought about verses that had stuck in my mind <clears throat> over those times. And I was just thanking the Lord for his deliverance, his mighty deliverance from those trials and comfort uh, during those trials. And this was one of, one of the verses. There was about five verses that stuck in my head during that time, and they were of great comfort to me. And it says in Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 16, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. I just want to go through this verse very quickly, and I'm just going to do it and picking out a few words uh, that show the truth, show the doctrine, and show the comfort of this verse. Uh, the first thing we see is thee. 
Behold, I have graven thee. And you know, that just tells us that God cares about us individually. He's not speaking here to everybody. He's speaking to a chosen people, um, his own and his loved chosen people. And you know, that makes us think of uh, God's great electing grace. It says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, According as he has chosen us and him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him and love. And you know what? Comfort. It is whenever you're in a dark place to know that God has chosen you, that you're special. And you're special because he has specially chosen you. So we see thee. Then we see graven. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Graven or etched, not painted, nor written. You see, this is a permanent promise. And this makes us think of our eternal security in Christ. The perseverance of the saints, as we say and we believe in this church. We're not forgotten. We're not rubbed out of God's palms by our actions or what we do or failures. And you know, whenever you're in a dark time, whether you're lonely, whether you're going through some external uh, trial that is bringing you into a, a, a discouragement, what a comfort it is to know that he's always there. He's never going to leave us and he's never going to forsake us. And John chapter 10 verse uh, 28 and 29 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Then we see the next word that we see in this verse as hands. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. And you know, although whenever we're in difficult times or we're in a trial, friends are very helpful and we should talk to our friends. I'm very thankful that these hands are not friends' hands. They're not even humans' hands, but they are the almighty creator's hands. You see, these hands have a measurable power. They're hands of an infinite, eternal, and unchangeable God. Isaiah 40 and 12, just the same chapter as we've been reading in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 12 says, Who hath measured the waters, that's the oceans of the earth, and the hollow of his hand. This is the same hands that we're engrafted into. And meted out heaven with the span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills and a balance. You know, whenever we're weak, he is strong. And it's great whenever we're maybe cast down in a difficult place to know that we're relying on God's hands. We're relying on a God who has, uh, is powerful. And you know, I was just thinking today, whenever we see no way out, we see no way around the situation we're in, God has the opportunity to every way out. Every single way out. He has the opportunity to do absolutely anything. And I thank God that there is no restriction to his might and to his power. And then the last thing we see is the walls. Because it says, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. And you know, these walls speak of the security 
of God's church or God's people. You know, his eyes and his uh, care is continually upon us. And you know, I have come through trials, and I know many here tonight have come through trials. Everybody at some stage in your life will come through a difficulty. But you know, whenever God brings you through those trials, sometimes in ways that you would never imagine, well then we need to look back and we need to realize that the Lord's eyes were continually upon us. And those walls were there to protect us, to keep us from going the wrong way, to keep us in the right way. And you know, I'm certainly very aware of God's continual presence even through difficult periods in my life. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's there all the time. I just pray that these short words in this verse will be a source of comfort to you. And even if you face difficulty in the future, that you'll look to these verses here uh, found in, in the book of Isaiah. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. We'll read where Jonathan made reference to the book of Hebrews and the chapter 6. And I'll try and get through this without coughing. It's encouraging when you come to the prayer meeting, there's as many other people coughing the same way. So we all have the same ailment, it would seem. Hebrews chapter 6 and the verse 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. Boxing Day just passed USS Gerald R. Ford, the world's largest aircraft carrier docked in the Greek island of Sordar Bay. It's almost 1,100 feet long, weighs 100,000 ton, and the anchor weighs 30,000 pounds in weight, and the chain is 1,440 feet long, and each link in the chain is 136 pounds. And I think that when you think of that material in that ark, in that anchor, I couldn't help but think on this verse in Hebrews 6 and 19 concerning the anchor that we have and we need in 2024. Sailing ships and sailing terminology was well known by the Apostle Paul. And he used many illustrations during his ministry. And in this one in particular, he made reference to the anchor. What is an anchor? It's a reliable support, a mainstay. Who is the anchor? Well, these verses make it abundantly clear that the anchor is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is reliable. He is the one who is the mainstay. He is the one to whom we can hold on to. But more importantly, it is him that holds on to us. As Jonathan has said, we're graven upon the palms of his hand. But not only what is the anchor and who is the anchor, but where is the anchor? We all know where the anchor is in the ship. Or mostly we know where it is. We're always glad that it's on the ship. But our anchor's in heaven. 
because verse 20 says, whether the forerunner for us is entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. There is no way that that anchor can be dislodged. There is no way that that anchor will ever deteriorate. There's no way that that anchor will ever be set upon by the elements. It's safe, it's sure, it's steadfast, and it's reliable. I trust that each one of us will know what it is to have Christ as our anchor in the year that lies before us. And the little hymn that I came on said these words, Troubles almost whelm the soul, griefs like billows o'er me roll. Tempters seek to lure astray. Storms obscure the light of day. But in Christ I can be bold. I have an anchor that's sure and holds. Amen. Well, we all have favourite verses of Scripture. I remember as a young Christian, uh, I used to, whenever I got a new Bible or a new book, uh, if Dr. Paisley was over in Liverpool at the time, I would get him to sign it, and of course he would always sign Ephesians 6, verse 19 and 20. As for me, that utterance might be given unto me, that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds. And didn't that just typify the man and his message? Pastor Park mentioned his motto verse, and I'm sure we all know his motto verse, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, inasmuch as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And again, doesn't that just typify the man and his message to stand for God and to abound for the Lord and to labor for the Lord? Well, I suppose if I had uh, a text, it would be Proverbs 3 and it's verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. As believers, that's essential for us to put our faith, our confidence in the only redeemer of God's elect. It's the platform upon which we must stand and we need to learn of him and we need to love him and we love him because of course he first loved us. We simply need to trust him Bible says with all of our hearts and that's the seat of our affection. We need to trust him and love and obey him today. Trust him, love and obey him tomorrow. Trust him and love and obey him throughout the countless ages of eternity. And so it's no strange coincidence that the very center verse of scripture is Psalm 118 verse 8 where we read, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. And so I just have four very brief points, and they are brief points, they're just 
uh, hangers upon which we're going to uh, rest our thoughts. And first of all, it's that we need to love the Lord. As children of God, we need to love the God of heaven. Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. But it doesn't just say that. It says, and lean not on thine own understanding. And so the first thing we, we must do as Christians is love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind. But then we need to lean on the Lord. And there will be times when we feel the, the burden of life, the problems of the day. I've forgotten how many times I've had to come to the Lord in the, the attitude of prayer when the, the battle has been raging when I've been weary myself and when the enemy has come in as a mighty flood uh, and we've just had to get in a quiet corner with God and lean upon him we need to love him trust in the Lord we need to lean on him and not upon our own understanding we need to look to him it says in all thy ways acknowledge him the Bible speaks of God being sovereign in the affairs of men. He orders our steps, and as Jonathan has said, our names are graven on the palms of his hands. In fact, the Bible says that our time is in his hands, and he knows all the imaginations and the thoughts of our hearts. Finally, we not only need to to love him and to lean on him and to look to him. But we also need to be led by him. For the scripture says that he shall direct thy path. And if we're trusting in him and if we're loving him and if we're leaning upon him and if we're looking to him, if we're living for him and if we're listening to him through his word, then surely we are being led by him every step of the way. I'll tell you what's good for your prayer life, uh, sitting there waiting and making sure no one else takes the verses that you have picked. Um, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and uh, I've got four verses. Does that mean of 16 minutes, Mrs. Park? No. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Amen. These are verses that I have uh, thought about often over the past probably six months. And uh, after something that I read, and, uh, and they're a great encouragement in God's work, a great encouragement to all of us. The church at Corinth, um, just like any church, was a church made up of saved sinners. Uh, Paul reminded them of this in chapter 6. He says they were idolaters, they were adulterers, they were thieves, they were drunkards. Uh, 
but they didn't stay like that. They didn't finish like that. They had been changed by the marvelous grace of God. And they were washed, they were sanctified, and they were justified. And so often we can feel too small to do anything for God. Perhaps as a denomination or as a church or even as an individual, we can feel overwhelmed when we look at the world around us and we look at the wealth of the world and the fame of the world and the recognition that the world has. And even if you look within the church, you can think, well, there's other people there who have more ability than me. There's people there who have greater gifts than I have. But what an encouragement these verses are. Who does God use? God chooses the sort of people who would be foolish in the eyes of the world, the sort of people who would be weak, the sort of people who would be despised, those who have little ability on their own. And when we look through the Bible, so often we see that. We, we find Jacob, who was the manipulator. We find Moses, who was slow of speech. And when we come to the New Testament, who was used to spread the gospel into the, to the, in the New Testament church? We find fishermen. We find tax collectors. We find a political zealot, we find a tent maker. We find men who ran away uh, and hid whenever the Lord Jesus Christ was being crucified. And yet, through those men, God established his church and God spread the gospel across the world. And why is that? Verse 29 gives us the answer that no flesh should glory. All the glory will go to God in that instance. It magnifies God's glory. God doesn't need the strong. He doesn't need the wealth that the rich possess. He doesn't need the influence that, the, that those of power have. But instead, he uses the weak. He uses the poor, and he uses that to demonstrate his power and his strength. I was saying I read something over the summer. I can't remember where I read it, but there was two, two, two sentences, and I wrote it down, and I can't remember where I wrote it from. Um, but it's something that I've, I've, I've read a few times since and, and thought about. And here's the two sentences. It says, the spread of the gospel among the poor is not a mere accident or due to social reasons or because the poor especially respond to the gospel. No, the message of the gospel finds hearers among the poor and the needy because of God's deliberate choice. That's who God chose, especially that would be saved. We often try and make ourselves look better, don't we? Even in a good way, perhaps in an attempt to win the lost, we try to make ourselves look better than we are. But what does God want? He wants his name to be glorified alone. And uh, verse 31, we didn't read it, but it tells us what we should boast in. We should boast, let him that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That's what we should glory in, what the Lord has done for us. Pray that will be a blessing to your hearts. It is amazing to me, although I uh, haven't spoken to any of the brothers about the verses that they would share, the way they built like a, a letter, you know, to, to this point. And we started in Psalm 32, verse 1, being born again, having our sins forgiven through Jesus Christ. And then seeing all these verses as, as an encouragement on our um, journey of faith, and coming to the place where God can use us. We just celebrated Christmas and we're coming to the end of the year when uh, everybody thinks about blessings, thanksgiving. 
And I think we can all accept and acknowledge that God keeps giving and giving and giving and pouring over us. But my question and challenge tonight is what do I give him? What do we give him as a church? And more than as a church, is it me as an individual? So my verse for tonight is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, reasonable service. It is very nice to notice in the first chapters of Romans how the Apostle Paul is displaying, presenting the mercies of God. And then in this first verse of chapter 12, he is like making a switch and is launching a challenge to service, to work for Christ. We do not do works because we want to get saved, but we do work because are saved through Jesus Christ. And in these chapters of Romans, I believe that one of the peaks is Romans 5, verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And his love and his mercies should be our motivation to serve, to work for him. Just a little more than a month ago, um, we had an evangelism event in one of the villages near Kumpina, the town where we live in. And one of the brothers that was part of the team that went on streets. He was the oldest, and when we, came, uh, when we came back, he made a confession, saying that he did not uh, confirm his, his presence for the next day, but just one night before, a thought searched him, and he said to himself, why wouldn't I go? Why should I stay home? So he just picked up the phone and called one of the brothers going, and he said, pick me up tomorrow morning as well. And he went on the streets and shared the gospel. So this question got stuck to my mind. Whenever we have a ministry, whenever we have a service, whenever we have a project or an action, it, rather than saying, let others go, there will uh, sure be other volunteers that will go. Why wouldn't I and us ask the question, why wouldn't I go? How can I be part of this? How can I contribute to this ministry. I was reading some of Charles Spurgeon's words, and he was saying that if through excessive work we die before reaching the average age of human being, being worn out in the service of the master, then praise the Lord, we will have less riches on earth and more riches in heaven. It is our duty and privilege to live our lives for Jesus. We are not called to live fine lives, but to be living sacrifices, which duty is to be consumed. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, Jesus Christ said, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. So the challenge is first of all for me. Looking back at 2023, how was my sacrifice for Christ? And looking forward to the next days, not even the next year, 
I was talking to a man on Sunday morning, and uh, he would attend church from time to time. He even confessed his faith, and uh, he was baptized, but then he left the church. So he was, he was in church on Sunday morning, and I was talking to him, and he was saying, well, beginning next year, I will. And I said, why next year? Why not tomorrow? Who knows if we will be here next year? So not next year, but starting tonight and starting tomorrow, will my life be a living sacrifice for him? Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you to the elders for sharing your verses of Scripture. As we will come to prayer just in a moment or two, let's sing this hymn that has meant so much to us, especially on a Thursday night. 645, is there a heart or bound by sorrow? Is there a life weighed down by care? Come to the cross, each burden bearing all your anxiety. Leave it there. <clears throat> That's down to sing. Is there a heart or bond by sorrow?
We've got uh, two of our Ukrainian friends here tonight, Masha and Dasha. And uh, our friends, after the worship service last Lord's Day, came over to the manse to sing. And they just wanted to sing um, a little piece that hopefully you'll be able to hear just now and uh, be blessed through it, even though you mightn't understand it fully. sick tonight has become very soon to our season of prayer and let's keep them in our minds these are the names that are before you and we've asked for prayer for Florentina she travels home on Saturday with the Vasily family uh, on Christmas day the little boy he took on well he developed an infection they ended up in hospital I got a text from the pastor to say that it may not be possible to travel on Wednesday because the little boy was ill and he had a chest infection, there was an infection in his lungs and so we decided we'd just pray and wait. <clears throat> so Christmas Day he went into hospital and yesterday morning from hospital they started their journey to Northern Ireland so they came and he has been improving, he's, he's on antibiotics and so forth and it's just been a joy to have them in our home these days. So remember, remember them as they travel on Saturday. The Lord will be with them. Uh, I think they've gone just to get the wee ones to bed. Now, pray for Israel. Pray for the land of Ukraine. And at this stage, we say goodnight to those that are uh, joining us on the internet. Thank you for being part of our midweek service tonight. I trust you've been blessed through the sharing of the various texts by our elders. We come now to our time of prayer. 